the Standing Orders podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor, Sue Lorne. Hi, Thomas. How are you? I'm very well, Emeritus Man, yourself? Oh, fine and dandy. Thank you very much. Nothing exciting to report, as usual. These days, every day is just the same. I think what you mean is every day is a holiday. <laughs> you always go on about my holidays. And actually, well, I'm not going to talk about your holidays this time. I think we could talk about the holidays that have been had at the taxpayers' expense for the good people of Thorough. Mm. <laughs> yes, I think that's a that's a pretty serious situation. If you've um, asked me, you know, I spoke to a colleague um, who I used to work with at Cardiff, who said, "I'm almost impressed with this person that they have managed to do something like this to a local authority because it just shows how poor the governance is in some authorities yeah. and sometimes." A light needs to be shone on it. Unfortunately, the cost of this, I think, is around six hundred and fifty-five million pounds. Um, so, did you see the Panorama uh, program last night? Unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, but I have seen reports in relation to what happened and and what they covered. And uh, it's a. I just think it's a really scary situation that um, that a council can let things like that take place i just don't i i can't get my head around how but then i have said quite a few times you know that sometimes that you we're, we're putting people into responsible positions who really don't understand the responsibility that they've got yeah and, I, i'm you know and it, and it can and it can you know we People on the street have the wool pulled over their eyes all the time, but um, but it's not just the it's, it's not just the councillors that sat back and let this happen. It's the officers that sat back and let it happen. Uh, not sat back; they didn't. You know, it's, it, that's probably the wrong way of um, of, of um, stating what I think. Um, I think maybe is oh, is it naivety? Is it just thinking that um, you know? We are a council, and um, and nobody's going to come and and pull the wool over our eyes, the way that this um, that this person did. Yeah, it's um, you know it, it's a funny one uh, in, in many respects. Really, um, I think from the outset it should be said that the poor governance in this has been allowed to happen due to the deregulation that was brought in actually by the coalition government. Um, and following that, the audit commission then went by the wayside in, I think around 2015, um, which obviously was the spending watchdog that basically looked at the risk councils were taking and decided whether they were being reckless. So we got rid of that and we got rid of the regulation. And then you end up with, and and this is more a a tale for the larger authorities, um, as opposed to the towns and the parishes that, by comparison, are incredibly like well managed. And I said this to the SLCC in in Kent. You know, we hold ourselves at town and parish level to such a high standard, and there are clerks that lose sleep over 
every kind of financial transaction that they may be like called out on and they check and they double check and they triple check and you know every penny people worry about the spend on which is absolutely how it should be with taxpayers money and then you hear from a district council which by all accounts the government believe should have even more power devolved to them that they can somehow get you know, £655 million invested in one solar business, that Mm -hmm. they then secure that against the solar farms themselves, which they take the individual businesses' projection on how much energy they're going to produce, what that's going to um, kind of give in dividends, and how much these sites are actually worth. They do no due diligence at all by all accounts, although they say there has been some book you know, geez, if you can lose this kind of money, how on earth can you? And the person who they've invested the money in has spent it on private jets, holidays, homes abroad, and everything else. Well, the people at Thoak apparently are, you know, basically paying council tax to cover services, which they're not even getting now. They've just paid for this guy's jets, this guy's holidays. And then I think the BBC did a great kind of piece just to outline the fact that they're cutting, you know, community groups and community grants to really small organisations that do real good work in communities um, in the Thoak area because they just don't have the money to do it after the finance officer who apparently has left but got heavily criticised thought that he would know a good kind of spend when he saw it and decided that, you know, spending so many hundreds of millions just wasn't enough. And actually, at one point, then reinvested a further 130 million to take it up to 655. And that 130 million um, didn't actually ever go to the solar farms. It went directly in this chat's pockets, um, which apparently, according to his lawyers, is perfectly legal. And so I'm definitely not saying anything about him. I am saying (laughs) purely, what on earth is the local authority doing when they're investing? I mean, no matter how big your local authority is, and this is not a big authority, Thoak is only a district council. You know, it isn't a large, you know, unitary authority. Essex no. apparently picked this up and, like, had concerns about it. But the fact that a district council can invest £655 million pounds and the finance officer that, you know, signed this off is definitely, definitely, definitely no like great investor of money and i just think you know what on earth were they thinking i I was thinking you know you were saying about 2015 when uh the um the body overseas yeah they they then uh ceased to be uh, uh the audit commissions which stopped councils taking too much risk was abolished in 2015 but I thought in was it two thousand and eight when lots of councils had money invested in um, was it Iceland and and the bank yeah well they had, they had money sitting in Icelandic banks so it wasn't that they'd yeah. invested it it's just that they had money no, because they, of interest but, rates sitting yeah, they in lost, Icelandic they lost banks. it didn't they 
Yes, they did. They, they did. Because Norfolk County Council lost quite a lot, didn't they? Okay, well, let's not start naming people, okay? No. Well, actually, they, I'm, in, I'm insured to name there? people. I'm insured to name people. You're not. <laughs> no, but it's, it's fact. It, it, it happened. So uh, I thought, and, and it, you know, they weren't the only ones. There was there was quite a few councils that had lost a lot of money in that time. And I thought that there was new rules and regulations that had come in that something like this could never happen, you know, that there had to be more, um, you know, stringency over what the money was going to, where it was going to and whatever. Um, I, I really didn't think that it would be possible for this huge amount of funds to be, you know, just to be spent the way that it is. Well, yeah, let's, let's thank Let's thank Dave and George for that, because they're the ones who deregulated the wow, yeah. uh, the ability for local authorities to do this. Um, then the Audit Commission obviously went by the wayside, but but not to worry, because they now have the Office for Local Government, um, which Michael Gove has said is definitely not the Audit Commission by any other name. It's very different. It's looking at very different things. And, you know, they're advertising for a head of at the moment, which is obviously six figure salary and looking, well, looking at the job description, it, it feels to me a little bit like they, they don't really understand what's going on in the sector. And it's I'll more about it. being able to look at data trends and, and other things. And it mm. just doesn't really seem to like I didn't look at it and didn't fill me with confidence that they were going to get someone that could actually grasp what was happening and prevent the level of risk-taking that, that is currently going on. And, you know, when you look at the regulations as they were, I mean, councils have always, well, I say always, certainly since around, well, 2003, you know, councils have been able to set up businesses, they've been able to trade, they've been able to act commercially. There really was no need to to untie the hands of local authorities to allow them to invest such significant sums of money yeah. in one business and, and to allow someone to buy yachts and private jets and for the council to be out of pocket to the extent that they're now on pretty much statutory spending only, you, you just have to kind of think that, you know, something's again, gone wrong you know, somewhere. I just don't understand standing, you know, stand, um, you know, the um, standing orders, the policies. Why would why would it ever have been allowed to go that far? I just it is just beyond well, my understanding. I think this is um, the thing with with council finances are really really a difficult area um, in, in local government because it's it's very different to business. So how you would do spends and financial governance in business is very different to how you would do it in a local authority. And having expertise in councillors as portfolio holders and leaders, it's, you know, you're unlikely to get someone that has a huge background in finance sufficient to be able to really hold the officers to account. Um, because often, you know, Members aren't an ex aren't experts in in finance. No, they take aren't. on like, mm. but then you end up with potentially you know your section one five one officer or RFO in terms of of town parish and community councils. Like you look at it and you think, well, they are the ones who who ensure financial governance is there. They're the ones that you trust to be making these decisions. But ultimately, 
you know, they're not doing it. And you look at the chief executives in the, um, like in the sector as well, at district and to an extent county, and they haven't exactly been going through a great kind of show recently. And you've seen some that have been in post a year, some that have been in post a few years, some that have left under a cloud, some that have left and they haven't really left, but then they have left. And you've had accusations of bullying, of financial mismanagement, of, you know, really some quite significant like levels of, well, breach of trust. And these are the people that are overseeing the finance officers. And when you've got a chief executive that is overseeing so much and potentially dealing with devolution in the case of some councils, dealing with children's services, adult social services, all the risk elements that go with that, you know, are they going to be looking constantly at the investments that they're Section 151 officer is making, or are they going to be trusting that officer to act within what the strategic guide of the council is, which is obviously drawn up by officers and probably agreed by members? So I just can't see how you can. I can't see how you can just sit back and say, yeah, we, no matter who that person is and how squeaky clean they are, I just don't see how you can sit back and say, yeah, you, you know, just go ahead, you, you, you do this and, you know, well, we, we trust that you know, you, you're you're doing the right thing yeah this money this this money that they in, invested this was done it like it was within two years millions had been put in into this um this project how in such a short period of time how how can that be allowed well they by 2018 they'd invested more than half a billion pounds in this business I guess what I would say is, I'll, I'll kind of row back slightly. So you're, you're actually quite, I'm, uh, this, I'm not sure this sounds incredibly patronising or not. Actually. Oh, it's going to be. No, oh, no, it's not. Like, you're, you're a rarity in in so naive, many ways. My naivety. I mean, bloody, bloody, so many ways. No, 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 not in your naivety. In, in fact, the opposite. Because, like, you and I have worked closely together uh, before you, you trust me, don't you? Yes, of course yeah. I do. Of um, course I do. But that isn't no, something that I, we've just done over a couple of years. No, 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 um, no. But what I'm saying is, you, you trust me, and and you've just made the comment of how can you trust someone making these investments? But actually, you know, whenever there has has been a financial decision, whenever there has been a staffing decision, you trust me implicitly. But it doesn't mean that you have ever let me get away with anything. It doesn't mean that you haven't spoken to me and said, I want you to talk me through this and saying, Thomas, like, this isn't actually what I think we should be doing. And you're not understanding this, 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 this and this. And you need to be thinking about this. this. You, you have always been robust in what you have said when it has come to decisions of finance, of money and of risk. And sometimes you've, you've disagreed with me and, and I have said to you, I have to be in a position where I will give my views to the entire council. You as mayor can do the same. We do not have to be on the same page. I cannot stop you having... There when we haven't. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. and I have given my views to the council and I've said, this is yeah. my advice. You have given your opinion and the council then comes up with its decision. You haven't blindly followed me. And, and I would say I have known a lot of officers. I've known a lot of members. You and I get on very well. You and I are very 
Um, we, we, we're very close. Obviously, we're doing a podcast together. You can't get any closer than that. Um, but, you know, you, no matter how much you trusted me, you still disagreed with me and you still held me to account. And I don't and think you can have... You just- but you would then justify your your reasonings. But to me, it was always it was my responsibility to make sure that even in in years after I'd gone, that there was never going to be somebody that was coming kind of coming along and say, okay, you you know, spent all this money on a certain building and you know getting it all done up and and doing um you know the money that's been spent on it was that justified. Yeah, of course, you know, and, and these, you know, going through all those years, I never wanted to be in a situation that somebody could come along and say, yeah, you, you gave that money to whoever to, to do this building up. And, um, you know, it was a fast amount of money. And he's, you know, he only did half the work or something like that. So you always had to know it was responsibility as a counsellor as the chair of finance and staffing or as the, as the town mayor that you know you had to see and that's why I'm I suppose that's why I'm saying I just don't understand how these vast amount of money and I've sat on on cabinet at a district council and I I just can't see even with the the people that the district council that I was on even with the the, the investment that is in different companies there had to be justification for every penny that was put in with those companies. So, and if if that company did anything wrong or it was seen to be inappropriate, the money would be pulled and 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 put you know elsewhere. So I don't understand how, in in just a couple of years, well, I, I it's, it's again it's, it's naivety to think that you know we. As, as the councils that I've worked under, that um, everything was uh, above board, but there were still a few things that were, were done wrong, where you know, building was given away for a pound and all that stuff. But um, uh, not, not by any this. council I was with. <laughs> <laughs> no, not with any council that you were with. You That would never have happened in a million years. But this is, you know, it's, so there's not everybody is squeaky clean, but to this kind of a loss, is just totally unacceptable, and I'm 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 sure that I've heard somewhere along the way that the um have has the council not actually been given permission to increase the um the council tax up to ten percent? Yes, they, I, I don't give, think um, I don't think that's happened. I will say just just on that no. note, although I'd never sold a building for a pound. I did once uh, get a building for a local authority without paying a penny for it, and got and got twenty five thousand pounds with it. So never mind selling a building for a pound; it cost the council twenty five k to give us a building. Um, but um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, you're you're right. But I guess what I, what I mean is, no matter how much you can have a good relationship with members, you still have your roles, you yeah. still have your responsibilities, and ultimately. You, you're absolutely right that how can this be allowed to happen? Because if you're, if you're basically so blinkered um, that you don't even challenge this sort of thing, yeah. then it's not about interpersonal relations or anything else. It is just incompetence. And I know, God, and I'm going to sound so awful in saying this again, but I know a council where, um, and this is a, a big you know, county uh, council, where the leader um, was basically, you know, a bit of a patsy for 
other councillors who had far more ambition but had been sullied to the extent that they were never going to get voted in as leader because they were too tainted. And so they just got someone with absolutely no background, no experience, who was a yeah. perfect, yeah. a perfect councillor yeah. in the, yeah. you know, really community minded, did loads yeah. of stuff in the community, but had never kind of taken on you know, a budget of, you know, never mind tens of thousands yeah. of, of hundreds of millions of pounds. Mm-hmm. And so was basically, you know, puppeteered by other members. And it always ends badly. It never ends yeah. well. And it's entirely foreseeable. And unfortunately, you know, like there are no, although apparently there is soon going to be tests and exams for chief executives like there is for clerks. So for once, you know, the larger authorities are actually going to have to do something. Um, You know, there is nothing for elected members other than doing LGA leadership courses. Um, There's nothing to say that actually, you know, anyone can be a leader. You know, it it doesn't require you to have any particular skill set. It isn't like business. And that's right for so many reasons. But equally, when you're deregulating what officers are able to do with, uh, uh, able to do with local authorities, then it isn't right to deregulate it because it's not a business where you would have a board that is built on competency. And that's why regulation has always been so important. So whenever you see things like this and you see stories like this and, and the facts that are coming and out. And just so you know, like, just let me pause you there. I've cut myself. I was playing with a pair of scissors while I was talking and I've managed to cut myself open. And so I'm you now going to have to... You were depressing yourself so much that you tried to, to cut yourself. I'm now masking tape. What are you doing now? I dread to... You're sharpening those scissors. I've, I've got some masking tape that I'm going to put over it. Until we're done, this because is I'm so scary. This bleeding so scary. everywhere. You've got scissors, um, you've got masking tape, and um, yeah, that's God. That good. looks even scary. It looks like I'm, I'm partly <laughs> partly wrapping myself up for mummification. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How big is the cut? Dare I ask? Uh, it, it's it's probably about an inch. Um, oh, I don't believe you. You're exaggerating again. May, may, maybe six. <laughs> It's okay. It's my six inches, so it's not actually. It's, it's. <laughs> oh, for dear's sake! <laughs> Where were we? I don't think we want to be back there. <laughs> and moving on, I was just about to say before you tried to um, to cut your finger off. Um, so if you think about all these stories that's just come out and what's been happening and, you know, the facts, there will be more facts that come out that will be pretty horrendous probably. That's a huge amount of of a loss for a, a district council to take. So you look at devolution. Is, 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 is this the right way to be going if that's the situation? You of know, course that, it isn't. Um, um, you know, the, the, and again, with the the... the where they're saying that it needs to be a, a mayor that goes in and oversees what uh, a cabinet is going to do. Um, I think um, that was always a bit of a worry, the person that you was going to get elected, because anyone can stand for election for the mayor. So is it going to be even uh, is easier the right, right word to use? Is it going to be um, more open for... Um, for for councils, officers, and councillors to be able to to let things like this go, 
without any questioning or overview and, and scrutiny interrelate into you know what's happening is it the right time to be going down that route no i i think local government needs to get its house in order uh before we continue down this and i think as i've said numerous times before what frustrates me more than anything is there is no one size fits all with devolution and it seems so unfortunate for communities because actually you know town parish community district county unitary you know it is a little bit of a hodgepodge but it it actually is 10 times worse with devolution in terms of the Mm. different packages and the different ways of doing it and i still think having some kind of devolved body between local authorities and the government like you have with the Welsh Assembly, um, like you have with the Scottish government and like you have Mm -hmm. with Stormont. I think, you know, having something similar in England as a kind of halfway house between the two with better regulation, better decision-making powers um, and better representation is a far better way of doing it than doing this kind of almost toe dipping exercise in well actually it's not toe it's dipping different parts of your body depending upon which part of the country you're in um right. and depending upon well in, in some cases yeah it, it feels a little yeah, bit like waterboarding yeah. um yeah. but you know it just it just doesn't seem right and i think things like the office for local government is just a it, it hasn't even you know I, I don't even think a lot of people even know about it it's just such a kind of it's been such a non-announcement it's kind of come through a bit kind of some people know about it no one really knows what it's going to do there's no chief executive in post there at the moment and Mm. it just seems a little bit kind of afterthoughty really and at the same time with the leveling up bill going through and not going through and not addressing actually what local authorities want it just seems like local government has never had it so bad and actually in many ways town and community and parish councils have never had it so good because we're continuing to do exceptional things but actually you know some of the stuff that goes on at unitary and at district and the county impact on the trust of councils more generally and that will impact on everyone and i would also say finally apparently I think it's two fifths, uh, uh, yeah, two and five uh, council staff say um, officer member relations are poor. So it's not looking like it's going to be getting any better in the sector. And I think a lot of the issues that we've just spoken about in terms of trust, etc., are all going to be played out in statistics like that, because ultimately um, a day doesn't go past where I don't see um, issues with one councillor's causing an entire council and clerk to resign or vice versa, you know, that councillors are having huge issues, that clerks are unhappy, that, you know, locums aren't wanting to locum anymore. I just think that the whole system needs a shake-up. And I think also we need to be able to, in the same way as you can sack a councillor, in the same way as you can get rid of, uh, sorry, in the same way as you can sack a clerk, not a councillor, yeah, same way as you yeah. can sack a Clark, and the same way as you can do a recall petition for an MP, um, like Margaret Ferrier in yes, Scotland. I just, yeah. um, you know, why not have a similar thing for councillors to be able to be recalled or, or removed? Mm. You know, it just amazes me, really. I know, um, and, this, and that's, that's something that I, I, 
well, I, I knew that there, there was always going to be an issue to get somebody out. And, and, and again, I said this before, you know, that if the people put the person in there, then it should be the people that take the person out. But four years is a long time to, um, you know, to do a lot of damage uh, yes, whilst you're um, in that position. And as we said, you know, two years and half a billion has, has um, been invested into something that uh, was never going to be there, um, you know, at, at the end but um no it's, it's that as you say it seriously needs a, a major overhaul uh in all um, all sections of the local government it does at the moment well i th- i think that actually takes us up to our allotted time considering we've had to move this a couple of times in order to facilitate <laughs> just about every kind of obstacle that you and i had between us um but was there anything else you wanted to add on this week's wondrous thoroughbred based podcast no i don't think that there's anything else that needs really to be said in in relation to that i can't even think of anything lighthearted to say but how's that finger it's okay and you okay. didn't pass out with a sight of blood. No, I didn't. I've been very fortunate. <laughs> well, well uh, best you get along and um, get a proper plaster on there because goodness knows what would have been on that masking tape that you've just stuck over a six-inch open wound. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Coley. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week.